Hello and welcome to the Beginner's Handbook. I'm Jordan. I'm Jamie. And in this episode, we're getting into spooky season. So, all about Halloween. So, we did something like this last year, actually. I can't remember what we actually spoke about, but it's different stuff, I promise, this time. We did look at it. Um, it was probably <laughs> a favourite scary game. I think it was our favourite scary games. Yeah, yeah. So, from memory, we kind of summed up different things that have happened. I remember favourite bit, unscripted throwback. Favourite bit from it was you talking about the game with the flappy jacket. It's funny because at that conference, it was that we met the guys that published that, and I was going through the book, and it was them like, yes, because our names are it, just we play tested it. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah, got names in it and stuff, so that's funny. It's just weird that I forgot all about it. Yeah, mm. mentioning that last year. Uh, yeah, fun times. Yeah. So, yeah, all about Halloween in this one then. So, anything spooky, a couple of things, tips, stuff that we do. A lot, a lot of some of this we might expand on at a later time, but we wanted just to compress some of the best bits that we like in our scary games that we, mm. either we both run or play in whatever order that is. So um, we'll just start off with the normal questions that we normally do. And first one I would say, I'll, I'll ask this one, have you in your games ever totally bricked it in one of your games? You ever been so ever been scared in any of your games? Uh, some people get into their games, some, some people are like, in it like they're in the zone mm. and if someone someone does something in the game they get they feel the way their characters feel other people don't tend to be a bit more relaxed and enjoy the experience uh, rather than being traumatized by it particularly from a horror experience and um, but have you ever been scared during a game uh, or you know well yeah i think i'll leave it there do what i talk about like literal or metaphorical so just let us know yeah and then the flip side of that if you know gms dms how badly have you ever scared players? Like, they might not confess it, they might not turn around and admit how scared they were, but you've seen the terror in their eyes, so let us know how you done it and how bad it was as well, I suppose. Yeah, and scared doesn't need to be like you've jumped out behind them or during, you know, when maybe during a break or like I've pulled a clown horn out during games and just blasted it at folk mm. and gave them a fright and stuff, so it doesn't need to be something like that, but even if you just get people really under their skin, you know, just you can see your players at the table starting to grip that table with white knuckles. Yep. Anything like that, it was for cool to hear it because that's like my favourite part of horror games when I can really actually get that to happen. Um, but yeah, I think we'll just jump straight into it then and I'll open up with just a kind of simple... Something might seem simple, but to be honest, I've seen a lot of people who run kind of horror games and it's a lot of the time, especially if you run a game like Call of Cthulhu or something like what somebody I know ran one of those um, a while back, and they found it really difficult because it just it, they took some of the kind of general or crafty and stuff, put it in a game, but that's not really their mm. thing. Um, they, they just found it hard to get into a flow. They tend to do fantasy, you know. So you know, coming into the twenties, which I find quite a hard period to place myself in because I don't consume any media from that mm -hmm. kind of time period. Um, so anyway, that guy found it quite hard. So I think for me, one of the big ones, especially this, speaking to somebody recently about this actually, um, and I'd said to them to do something that they're actually, like in either a game kind of theme or system, but especially anything you're putting in the games, any topics that you're familiar with, anything you're familiar with, whether that be the system or, or the kind of story, or the themes of the game, I would absolutely say put that in your, your horror experience because as a GM, especially because you need to build these scary moments up, you know, it, it does take a bit of work. Um, you know, so if you're doing something that's comfortable for you, it's easier just to get into that flow to be able to storytell and describe the environment. Mm -hmm. um, just for talking sake, Curse of Strad, it's a lot of that that I ran was a lot of fun, but there's kind of creepy zones in it. But because I knew... Particularly, I didn't even so much about the story, but I knew more about the characters and their kind of locations. Um, so it meant that actually I didn't need to constantly refer to the book to actually keep things move, moving, keep suspense high, and then put in some of the horror elements that Strad is so good for. Um, so definitely do something, I would say, that you're familiar with. Um, find that if you like horror films or uh, horror books or whatever media you consume that's horror-based, um, that would be taking that as an influence. You can just base your game off of a scene. Um, if there's that bit of alien with a chest buster, use that as your kind of core middle of the game hook, you know, and, mm -hmm. and build your game around it, something that you really know. So that when it comes to 
improvise, which we'll cover in another episode. Uh, but when it comes time to improvise, uh, you're able to do it without sitting needing to refer to like pages of notes. Um, so that's what I would say about one of the tips that at least I give is just to do topics or, or a game or, or especially a system as well that you're familiar with to just let you get moving with the game um, and mm-hmm. tell the story in a way that will affect your players. Yeah, and I kind of, I was going to say the flip side to that, but it's not. But remember as well that if you've got whatever group of players there, <clears throat> then if you pull out, again, like Strad, mm-hmm. Vampire, so whether or not anybody has heard of Strad or any associated stuff with that, as soon as you go Vampire, 99.9% of people have got some form of reference for that. So when you're building up tension or you know whatever you're doing, whatever you're describing, the amount of work, the amount of effort that you're going to need to put in is going to be significantly less than, say, you've got a bunch of players there that have never played Cthulhu before, don't know what a Lovecraft is, or, you know, whatever, right? Then you're going to have to put in more work for them to understand what's going on rather than they're coming in with that base level knowledge that you can then build on top of. So, again, familiarity for yourself is key so that, they're not interrupting flow, you don't have to kind of stop, pause, whatever. But also, for your players, if you keep that in mind, then if they're familiar, then if you're a bit nervous, if you're a bit unsure, if you become a bit too focused in your story and a bit too rigid, then your flexibility starts to go a little bit, then because they're familiar, then there's a bit less work to do there. If they're unfamiliar, then bear in mind you might need to work a bit harder to keep them on track. I don't, it's, that, that's an interesting point, that specifically, because I think in some cases, yes, that's true. I don't think people really need to. I actually think people people that don't know Call of Cthulhu or Lovecraft and stuff, Call of Cthulhu games, especially the published ones, the actual proper ones by Chaosium, they're actually better for people that don't know the lore because they're not expecting stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. And a big part of Cosmic Horror is about that unknown element. Um, so that's actually something that's super interesting to bring up because I was talking about um, cult, which is very cosmic and bits. Um, and it's better not to know what's going on. Uh, I like a lot of surreal horror. There's a great Delta Green campaign out there called Impossible Landscapes. It's super surreal. Um, and pretty much, if you don't know... well. It's better you don't know anything about the source material because mm-hmm. then it's even weirder and creepier and kind of ominous. Um, so it, it depends on what it depends on the setup for your game though. Like I like to just drop people in a game and just say, you know, get get on with it. But there's absolutely value though, especially if people are new to like role playing games. I would definitely say that for sure as well. And when I ran the alien games for a bunch of guys who hadn't pl- well, they'd played some games, but there were some new people there. Uh, who hadn't played games but knew Alien, so it was easier for them to get into that space. Um, so it kind of depends the game or the flavour of game you want to do. So just see though, see if it's a one shot with a bunch of people that might be their first time playing. It's better to pick something familiar, mm-hmm. like you're saying, because it means it's almost like that kind of difficult curve for actual learning to play. Is they're not getting bogged down with info they don't understand. Like I think cyberpunks, like the general cyberpunk. Kind of theme can be hard for people if they don't know anything about it, especially if they're not technical. Um, mm. And you have to kind of describe, you know, your VR, I can't even remember what Cyberpunk Red calls it, but your whole net running stuff, like you see him describe that to people that don't know anything about computers, which I've had to do. Well, part of my job is describing stuff to people, that or technical stuff to people that don't know technical stuff. Um, it can be pretty hard, so... For new players especially, um, I think doing something that even just thematically is familiar to them is a lot easier just for their kind of workload in their head. Mm. Um, so, But it does, it, I say though the wee caveat, it depends what you want to run. If you want something like cosmic or surreal, it's better they don't know much about it. Maybe let them know it's going to be weird though, because I've seen a surreal horror game being ran mm. recently and the other, I knew kind of what was going to be going on for that game, just general vibe other players didn't and then they would kind of get frustrated throughout the game because they didn't they weren't getting the clues solved they thought it would be more like a Cthulhu game 
so their expectations were a bit kind of squiff from what it, what they were expecting something different than they got basically and mm. um, but I knew the kind of the brand of horror they were going the GM was going for so yeah that's, that's super interesting I'm glad you brought that mm-hmm. up actually because it gave me something to talk about to the guys yeah um, and yeah. that ties into another thing which is just umbrella we'll call it background research mm. so couple there's different different ways that you can use this number one finding out whether your players are familiar with this the source material so like john was talking about yeah. if you want to do something cosmic horror and you don't want them to know so that everything is a shock or surprise or whatever then if you know what your players already know about it it will then let you pitch mm. the direction that you're going to take the game again on the flip side of that if they are familiar with it then you go great right i don't need to panic and try and set the scene too much if that's something you're not comfortable with or you know whatever but also what that allows you to do is more efficiently terrorize your players shall we say now again caution um you know if you do that too efficiently and too well then you may be cleaning up a literal or metaphorical mess so bear that one in mind and of course you know you shouldn't you shouldn't traumatize your players scaring that's okay as long as everybody's okay with that but um yeah traumatize that's maybe maybe too much if play some of the games that i play the books actually encourage pushing that boundary to the point where like i don't know about that man i don't know um but yeah no i totally agree Mm. so yeah the background research is a good one because you can be pulling in stuff like you know even if it's just a case like i talked about settings that are familiar to you you know even just from talking about that like if you've got a game or or you want inspiration doing a bit of reading or Mm. watching a film or a show that kind of touches or scratches that itch of game that you want to run Mm. it's a great way just to get inspiration and i'm saying research and you're really just watching a tv show but it it can absolutely help you uh, run good games i think it's actually sandy peterson I can't remember the conference he said it at, but uh, Sandy Peterson's involved in Call of Cthulhu and Chaosium, for those who don't know. But uh, a lot of stuff that he was saying, just for, he, he does a, there's a video online of him making a game with the people at his talk, and he actually bases it off of basically the, the actual game that he's preparing is based on like, a scene in a film. I can't remember what any of it is or the details, but he literally it's that scene, the big what is the big turning point the, the the high point of the whole game he takes some i think he asks the crowd to pick a movie scene and they build something from there um so actually totally that background research even just the creation period and not just in the running and trying to scare mm. people is a, a good way to do it um so that's yeah, super interesting i never even mm. thought about that when i was talking about the uh, familiar themes so yeah yeah and again you don't need to go down the route of you know, you you figure out that one of your players is absolutely petrified of spiders, so that you you go out and you buy a tarantula and you keep it in your house and then you throw it at them. You know, halfway through the game, right? <laughs> sounds like something the guys would do. I'm thinking one of my groups, <laughs> and I know that one. Yeah, some of them are quite antagonistic. I'll say so. I, I could mm-hmm. see them doing it. I wouldn't, because I don't want if deal with the arguing, but they would. <laughs> yeah, well. Again, you... different groups, so it's different yeah. styles of groups, yeah. Um, so you don't need to be extreme and go down yeah. that route, but what you could do as well with that sort of thing is that you could incorporate mm. details of either past games that you've had as a group into it and rework yeah. them. Um, um, you were telling me earlier on, and uh. Was it one of the games you were at, or was it something else that you'd seen? I don't know, I can't the... remember. Oh, yeah, I there was something, there was actually something I'd watched um, mm. online. See, background research. Yeah, so, yeah, I, well, this is ages ago, but, it's, but for sure that could definitely count as background research, mm. but certainly using elements of other games. Uh, we've actually had even, maybe it's not in the context of horror, but we've had mm. plenty of games with the GM, maybe the Big Dwarf one, the GM has brought in stuff from, like, months prior hmm. and it's made some really good hooks but you could do the same for actually horror elements as mm-hmm. well um 
certainly I've ran games I told people I spoke about Alien I told the guys guys there wasn't going to be Alien in, an Alien in that game they're going an Alien game about an Alien I said no there's not but then I threw that in later on and I used one of the scenes from the film um, just to kind of surprise them with it because they, they didn't they actually didn't expect it to happen so mm-hmm. um, but that was almost that we call back to conversations we'd had because there was just bits there so stuff like that's great to do yeah yeah and again callbacks yeah like drawing in stuff from your players lives as well so again don't don't do too much research and become a bit creepy about it but like again like alien if you were doing whatever encounter just ship distress signal go on at all the players everybody's going along first person that they find like id stuff for and it's one of the names of the players at the table and then they go along the ship and they find somebody else and it's somebody else's name that's at the table mm-hmm. and you know you could do stuff like that and then instantly everybody's went from thinking alien adventure to mm, hang on you know the rules have been kind of shifted about and if you keep kind of dropping a little bit of real life for the players and then see what you can do with that do you know the kind of personal callbacks is an interesting one because it's a good way to like suck people in like mm. just grab their attention i mean this is why films like marley and me and stuff like are, are really like really suck people in because like, a, poor, a poor puppy dies and that and everybody starts greeting because everybody knows what that feels like you know so unless you don't like dogs in which case i don't have anything to but the personal callbacks are good just to get. That's us just lost all the cat people. No, people can like both. <laughs> yeah, people can like both. It's true. I like both. I just have a preference for one over the other. I won't say which. Um, but yeah, the personal callbacks are actually super good ones. That's just a general kind of clever tool that you can use for hmm. your games. Generally, you know. So, but for horror, it can kind of really hone people, specific people, especially if you want to grab that attention maybe to set up something later on or a scare or something. That's a great way to do it. Um, that's what actually we did for um, the Warhammer game, but we'll come to that because that's one of the things we'll just mention later. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, let's mention it now. So one of the games that I'd done uh, yonks ago, we've spoke about this before, was a Warhammer Wrath and Glory game, but at the end, basically right up near the end there was going to be a big boss fight and this big warp portal if you don't know warhammer i'm not going into it just there's too much to talk about it's like 40 years of war i'm okay um but at the end there's like a portal that opens up and baddies start shooting out but i'd ran this game a, a few times before but with family members and stuff so i had a good idea how it was played and what we were doing and i knew what the end and obviously was going to be because i'd ran it and read it before but I thought it would be cool because I knew the guys would probably quite enjoy it too. That one of the players from that game, who the guys know, um, I wanted them to come and enjoy it, but make them the baddie instead because mm-hmm. he's got like a crazy powerful psyker. I boosted the level up and gave him this nasty spell, which the the guy didn't he, he didn't use it anyway, which was a shame because it would have totally killed at least one of his. Um, but. Uh, uh, yeah, so anyway, I set stuff up that was doing the build-up and then I played an audio clip which the player had recorded something for me and sent it on um, and I played it through my speakers. Um, I could see they're kind of like, what's going on? You could see this, there was a bit of discussion around what it meant or something. Mm. I think I had to repeat it though because I don't think it was fully clear on the speaker. But um, it was right at the end of that kind of sequence. I think it was almost, I kind of, felt at least when I was running it I felt like it was about to go into this thing like strategizing it was almost going into the strategy phase because they knew the baddie was there and you might remember it differently but that's how it felt mm. and uh, then that player bust through the back door and just came in fully all kitted up in their long black jackets and black gloves and as their character as their evil psyker mm. and scared the bejesus out of some of the guys at the table uh, one person in particular <laughs> um Poor, poor guy, man. I, I never give him a break sometimes with scaring him. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we actually used a real-life jump scare um, rather than me shouting at somebody at the table. I had them bust through the back door mm-hmm. um, and scare the bejesus out of folk. Um, I don't think you jumped, though. Wait, where no. were you sitting? No. Were you there? You've seen them probably come in then. Um, I... The, the strange thing about this was... I sp- 
spotted the setup but still didn't click what was going on uh-huh. and it was only after they were through the door I went alright oh, I get it now uh-huh. but I don't jump super super easy uh-huh. um, so and having that extra bit of distance is pretty good <laughs> So it was like three people that could have been a target if it was someone evil coming through the door. Well, so all good. But, but yeah, but that is that's literally it. It's well, I've got between one and three people before I need to decide what I'm doing here. If this is indeed a killer at the door, there's a reference there for anybody who's who was present there. Um, but yeah, no, it was uh, that was a good one because. I wasn't clued in beforehand. I wasn't expecting it. Nobody knew. Well, I barely, I didn't even think they were coming. They were waiting for like 20, 30 minutes at the back door. Not strictly true, actually, now that I remember exactly. So the setup for this was our group, as a joke, went, ha ha, yeah. Why don't you you get him to turn up and he can be the big bad guy, the big boss fight at the end? Ha ha ha, joke, joke, joke. Corrupted and stuff. Yeah. You were joking about it. I think because we hadn't started, I don't think, or maybe we'd, it was very, if we started, it was like first game or something. Mm. And I'd said to the player, do you want to come in? Because we were joking about it. But I I think it would be awesome. And I think you guys would have loved it too. Um, And they were like, yeah. They were kind of like, no, because, you know, I don't know, it might not be cool or whatever. But um, yeah, I'm glad we've done it. Because yeah. it was cool. It was such a fun night as well. So It, it was an I think that's maybe also part of the reason because that, yeah. as it was happening, it was, huh, what? Ah, oh, no, you know, I think I managed to click on relatively quick after that. And again, when it happened, I went, oh, yeah, because I seen you do this. And I see, ah, right, okay, get it, get it, get it. Because at one point, I did see the kind of furrow under the table text thing. But I just assumed that that was you sending a message to somebody else at the table to uh, or, yeah. answering a question or something. So I didn't, I didn't think anything of it, and it was only afterwards so that the pieces I, yeah. fall into place. But that's right, I forgot you. It was actually your the group suggestion mm. to actually do that. That's right. Yeah, I'm glad you did because it was cool, man. I t- we still speak about it sometimes. Um, so that kind of, well, that leads on quite nicely into like jump scares and stuff, um, mm-hmm. but it's sort of really, I've, I've kind of covered bits of it there. Is there anything about jump scares really in a game that you would maybe add to the conversation? Yeah, I find them I kind mean, of hard actually, thinking about it. Hmm. Hmm. Why do you find it hard? Just quickly. Because um, they're not that easy. Um, do you know what? Maybe we'll go through the flow actually. So one of the things I think, just we'll come back to jump scares. That was obviously like a literal jump scare. You know, there was a bit of build up and stuff happening, but well, then it, happened. it was a literal jump scare for one of the players. Yeah, it I, was a literally a jump out the seat moment, and it, it was, was awesome. fantastic. It was awesome, man. It's, I love it. just that's such a fond memory for me. Um, <laughs> but the so I think just taking away because I'll come back to jump scares I do think they're tricky but there's things that can make them easier to achieve um, and they can be good payoff for like a scary moment I think I'd done one for like the alien attacking somebody at the toilet in um, mm-hmm. the alien game we've done I've used them various times but I think a good setup so kind of coming peeling back a bit from there as a really it's the last few things that I would. This is like the main key things that I would definitely put and you don't need to be sitting like a DJ or some big technical wizard to get all of this stuff happening. But first thing, and I always do it partly because silence at the table, I'm fine with it and stuff. But especially I've just found with newer folks, sometimes a bit of the background music can just help it help set the scene. Um, and it means if people are thinking about stuff or if they're talking to each other or talking to an NPC and they need a minute to think because maybe they're finding it hard to talk in character background music I find just generally can help ease all of that mm-hmm. and just reduce any awkward stuff that might happen at the table but for horror it's really really good just to set that tone especially if they're going into I definitely use this for Alien like a big you know metal tube that's sort of a big spaceship just metal and it's wet just for condensation because of the cold kind of sub-zero temperatures in space and everything dethawing out of you know deep space or whatever 
and having a bit of music and a wee bit of ambient sound just of mm. water dripping and stuff that can just get people without needing to sit and explain and just like elaborate to the nth degree uh, you can set that scene it's kind of like the picture tells a thousand words but mm. it's music instead that help and noise yeah. that gets you into that that's something for sure uh, I recommend for any game it's worth just getting something it's not necessary so don't worry about it if you've not prepared it mm-hmm. but if you've got the time I think it's really good to do um, I, I think it's a lot of fun our Nazi biker game that we were doing just put on some oh, royalty bad roy- royalty free music but it was enough just to kind of get the vibe at least for myself so I could start running it properly mm-hmm. but for Alien and some of these horror games it's really good for mood setting and atmosphere yeah and that's the thing as well like what it does for your players is one thing but you as well that's the other thing to consider so if you are again if you're somebody that kind of struggles or you feel that you struggle again you might not necessarily struggle but if you're not you know 100% confident in yourself then that little bit of music can act as that sort of subconscious reminder so again for us in that game it's generic American rock royalty free stuff that Kevin McLeod thank you and Comtech yeah uh, so we with that then if it's if it's got that kind of general in the back of a movie in a biker bar vibe thing whatever going on with it then it's it's keeping you in that place mm-hmm. which means that rather than having to really fight hard to get your imagination to work and then from that point going right okay how are we going to go from point a to point b to you know whatever it is then you're already kind of halfway there and you've got that that boost and again for the other players there again it will help them music's never never really going to detract from what you're doing unless it's too loud loud (laughs) or inappropriate for whatever reason whether it's again you're trying to set up this biker image and then all you've got is kind of you know euro electro pop playing in the background it's probably probably a bit of a clash for the imagination yeah that contextual awareness like because you know what that would probably work with like a biker cyberpunk game, but I, you know, it's 1973 yeah. or whatever year that game's set yeah. in. It's like old style bikers. It's just the wrong fit, the wrong yeah. era, the wrong genre almost. So that's mm. a good point because there's nothing wrong with not doing music either. But I just, for me, it helps mm. me even get into, especially with horror, it gets me in a kind of storytelling mood just to almost acts as a reminder just for me to remember to kind of pause at bits and just bring stuff down and try and pull people in when I'm describing stuff um, because mm. just just generally I need to put less all the time so sometimes with horror it's better just to slow it right down um, just mm-hmm. as you can build that tension and yeah, yeah and it gives well, I think most more important than just me getting that it's good for players too and they, they can get the vibe without needing to be told stuff there's mm-hmm. nothing I hate more than getting you know several paragraphs talked at like a lecture just to get me in a scene when usually maybe a wee picture maybe just describing a scene and letting us try and explore it might might help instead and mm-hmm. um, whereas the music kind of covers that part of it it allows yeah. me avoiding to describe the feeling of the room it feels scary just put on some scary music um yeah it just helps it's more emotive so yeah. use a tool if you can I yeah and again ultimately that's the thing like jordan's saying like you could spend 15 minutes or whatever talking and describing that might seem crazy by the way but i've been a victim of that like even like last week i was a victim of that so i mean it's something that i see a lot mm-hmm. and it's usually i've said to these folks that you don't i don't i just totally respect the work and time they put into it. you know that they're kind of crafting their skill almost but um, normally they're stressed out, they come and they usually complain and stuff because they're not prepared enough and they, they're always never happy with games but mm-hmm. I, I do I suggest stuff like doing music, do this, do that, you know, just just try something to make yeah. it easier for yourself. Um, yeah. yeah, and that's the thing, like when the music's there, it's, it's permanently setting the scene, it's permanently telling the story when you're not talking. Yeah, mm, that's a good point. So, 
if at some point you need to double check rule, if your players are unsure and they're flicking through a character sheet, if, you know, whatever, then the music's there, you hear it, it's in the background, it's in your subconscious and it's keeping you there. Rather than if they're trying to concentrate your players and they're looking through a character sheet or a rule and you're talking to them to keep the tension or whatever, then they're trying to focus on you, they're trying to focus on the sheet, they're trying to think about what they're going to do, they're back to you, sheet, you know, plan. And that keeps bobbing about and it's going to break them from being there and being in that moment. Whereas with the music there, they can look away, they can go through that. And again, if it's, they've walked into a biker bar, everything's fine. And then one of the players has accidentally kicked over one of the bikes outside. And now everybody's, you know, starting to get up, tables are getting pulled, whatever. Then it can be going from general, soft, American style rock to something with a bit more pace, something with a bit more mm -hmm. uh, aggression behind it, whatever. And that changing of the track at that point, you don't need to say, these people seem very angry and are about to beat you to a pulp. Just flick track, so-and-so stood up. That's all you need to say. Done. Everybody knows what's going on at that mm -hmm. point. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I would do. I totally recommend music just mm -hmm. generally. So, I, and that kind of leads on as well because some music tracks can help support this too. But certainly, if you're trying to build a scary scene, mm -hmm. the actual ambience of the scene, the environment, the kind of mm -hmm. atmosphere that's in your scene, I think music can help with that. But then usually there's bits when you can build suspense, maybe there's shadows moving, there's eyes twinkling in the darkness. You know. Think of a million other things that you could do, sounds, whatever. And I think that's where you can... Certainly atmosphere is good, but then you've got to build the suspense to get that scary scene. This all mm. kind of leads up sometimes, or sometimes not, into the jump scare. Um, but actually the suspense is a good thing. That's when you can be slowing down your voice and like bringing people in and just just generally using a bit of tonality and general... Well, I don't know what mm. other terms is used for your voice, but... Um, Stuff like that can really help build tension in music, actually, just because mm -hmm. I, I use music a lot. There's, there's specific tracks I've used in things like The Curse of Strad. A guy called Travis Savoy on YouTube has a whole suite of music, like really good music for D&D, &D, like it's top quality stuff. And he's got a whole set for Curse of Strad, but there's one song in particular, I can't remember, I think it's called The Creeping Hut, um, which I used for the Babalazaga fight with my mm -hmm. players. Um, but that's got amazing little sound bites in it, like the sounds of like twigs and trees like creaking mm -hmm. and stuff. And with music, you can actually use that to help build suspense. So there's bits I'm preparing the body. I can hear the music mm -hmm. getting to the point I want it to. So I'm kind of talking normally and I'm going, it's just to make sure I hit the point um, where I can reveal the body but have the creak happen first. Um, so you can use a voice and all these other kind of strategies. Well, maybe do an episode on mm -hmm. that. Um, but uh, the music's a nice way to build that suspense for yeah. that final payoff. Maybe it's, maybe it doesn't even necessarily need to build up to a jump scare. It could be a reveal, like in the case of the mm. Curse of Strad game I did. Um, it revealed itself to be the big huts got up and started moving. That was the mm. thing creaking behind them as they were leaving. Mm -hmm. Um, so, however, it can then lead into that nice, well-known jump scare that's just a big boo at the end of all of it, which is a good way, like mm. the to get folk like the way that that guy coming through, that guy, the player came through the door, uh, just to scare the living Jesus out of all of you, or tried to at least, um, and it worked, I think it yeah. got a couple of you, so that was a success um, mm. yeah yeah. So, yeah, and with music as well we've talked about using it mm -hmm. also not using it yeah, cutting it yeah, that's a good point, yeah yeah, and like the danger is if it's the first time that you're using something like that in a game that you you go all out and you you, you fill every single nanosecond of space with music or a sound effect or whatever so that there's always something going on with audio. But again, cutting it can also be useful. So if it's players, they're in the woods, they're at a campsite, you've got sound of a campfire there sound of talking in the background or whatever and then at some point during that you just cut that and leave it so without saying anything to the players at first they might go oh dear technical issue and talk 
and do whatever they're doing. But then after a while, when it doesn't go back on and they don't see you attempting to put it back on, then at that point, either the penny will drop or somebody might actually comment on it and talk to you about it. And then at that point, you can either acknowledge that, not acknowledge that, whatever. But cutting music is one thing. Um, gradually fading it out just by dropping the volume down over a period of time so that it isn't super obvious that that's what's happened. So that very, very gradually the sound starts to disappear. Again, you can use that for creating tension and suspense in different ways. If you're dropping it down gradually, it's probably going to lead more for suspense. If you cut it, it's going to give you more tension, I would say. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good point, because even that whole uh, track you used for the Babylazaga stuff, it does, it cuts, I think the music dips right down, and then it's like a second, and then the kind of creaking trees happen. So it's, it's actually, that's the exact reason I was using it, without just naturally thinking, because I thought it sounded like a good way to hit, hit that kind of note that I was yeah. wanting to hit. So, but yeah, it was a good point, because certainly in it, like things like Alien, when you've got the Alien coming up behind people, sometimes mm -hmm. dropping and cutting out the sound effects can help, because they kind of go, it's almost like that hold your breath, breath moment. Um, now all of this, like, you don't need the music to do all of this, you can do this just by the way you tell the story. If you're building suspense, you can bring the volume down, maybe the pitch down, slow mm. your speech out, uh, and then take big kind of strategic pauses, if you want to call it that, to build that tension. Um, if you're going for that music option and trying to do everything that we've suggested there, um, it's basically, it can be hard unless you've got some board on your computer that you can do, um, like you can access all the tools you need and all the volumes and mm -hmm. the plays and pauses and starts, full 20 and stuff can do it. It's just not, it, it can be hard unless you're used to it. Um, so just be aware of that if you try and use all these sound effects, because mm -hmm. I've got myself in knots trying to do stuff like that and i'm a technical guy so sometimes mm -hmm. it's hard at a table when you're busy um so yeah but yeah that all kind of leads up to the big jump scare and there's not much more to say about it because a jump scare is a jump scare everybody knows what that is it's a big boo um i mean i mentioned it doesn't need to be a jump scare it could be a reveal it could be anything like that um but if you do opt for a jump scare you can just shout at somebody at the table bring them in closer, shout at them, get a clown horn, whatever technique you want to scare the bejesus out of them. Mm -hmm. um, and in the case of that Warhammer game, it's somebody literally kicking in the back door yeah. um, to give give a nice entrance. So Yeah, I, I do think, though, that the bursting through the door does get its own special special category, though. I, th I think, um, you know, use, using another player as a prop I think I get special recognition, I think. But with jump scares as well, the main thing is commit, right? Don't, <laughs> don't, don't. Can I weasel out? Yeah, don't, and... don't, don't, don't go, ah, you know, that's, that's not going to get anybody. It needs to be, it needs to be there. And what I would say is, as soon as in your head you decide that you're going to do it, do it there and then. Don't, go, right, I'm going to do it in another minute, because as soon as you do that, you're losing that impact, that that sudden thing, and ultimately it's 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 an unexpected movement, it's an unexpected stopping of things, it's, you know, it it's immediate, so you, you need to, as soon as you decide that you're going to do it, just do it. Yeah, because you don't want that momentum to go. See if you put all that time into building it up. And honestly, it's actually really hard. Like, I run mostly horror games, usually horror games, um, at least. And and if I don't run horror games, it's usually games that have horror in it at some point. Um, but I, I, I'm not sitting and trying to make every moment scary because it's hard work. I mean, it is, it's hard mm -hmm. work. But when I do want to get that jump scare, or usually it's a reveal I build up, and it's usually a monster or something creepy or some horrible reveal that maybe they've realised that their best friend turns out to be one of the baddies that's been killing folk or something. Um, it's, it does take a lot of work and effort. And actually, out of all the preparing that I might do in a game, that's usually where I put the most prep work into. Because I, I personally find that the hardest bit about games. And that's why 
I would say the jump scares are harder. I don't tend to use them as much. They're, they're mm -hmm. fun. I like doing them every so often, but they're usually, I don't worry about them as much because I do think to actually execute, execute them properly is difficult without just being super loud. Um, mm. But building you, everything else <clears throat> until that reveal, though, yeah, yeah it's, that's like the, where I put the most work because it's the hardest bit to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like with a jump scare, if you're, again, if there's music there, then cutting the music before you make a sound or, you know, whatever it is that you're planning and doing, that will help you to do that because mm -hmm. subconsciously everybody's going to hear the sound cut and then just as they're going, why is that just, if you can trigger it at that point, then you're distracting them and then hitting them with, with the impact of it. Again, if you're if you're planning and doing it, if you're planning and doing it as a a one off in your game, then target the jumpiest person at the table because you're doing it once and that's it. You know, so you you want <laughs> you want it to have the effect that you want it to have. So if if you do it at the the coolest cucumber that's there and they don't react, then it's kind of taking the impact out of your scary horror game, isn't it? To, to be fair, though, if there is somebody that's not the coolest cucumber at the table, you'll probably still get them when trying to get that guy. Um, yeah, pro probably. <laughs> yeah, I've, seen, will, that, I've but... seen that happen. Um, do you know, that kind of leads on then to kind of like the last, the, the last thing that really I'd like to just mention, just for anybody that is interested in just, it's just a different thing as... Um, like I mentioned I find doing a full game that's all scary. Honestly, I've never played somebody's game that's been like that. But I've also I've never really attempted to do that myself because I don't it's too much work. Probably that first ever game mm. I've done, I've probably tried something. I don't think I did, but I probably did just because that was where my head was at at the time, just to try and that's my ideal what a horror game would be like. But I actually find it's better just to especially for scary games. Or especially maybe brutal or I say brutal, I mean like hard to survive games. Mm -hmm. uh, like Call of Cthulhu could be one of them, but Morkboard and some of these games are tinged and really that's kind of a bit more like extreme for like entertainment's sake, but it's it's a clear influence of horror in there. But I would always, even with the scariest and most horrible of games, encourage the fun bits in the games, allow people to have a joke at the table. Don't be trying to be like, that's not the vibe I'm going for and just shushing them. I've seen that happen and it's just totally off-putting. Um, so allow people to have fun and to have that just almost state of enjoyment and then really just do the bait and switch and pull them into something a bit more if it's a scary kind of body horror game, all the horrible stuff. If it's just a kind of high tense tension game, uh, maybe more like a thriller, pull them into that when, when mm. you need to. Um, allow for that almost like the, the highs and the lows to be brought in because if mm -hmm. you've got some high bits it makes the lows much better um, yeah. I actually think there's a lot of horror films that oh actually I think there's horror sometimes, horror generally as a genre is almost done better in films that are not horror films um, mm -hmm. to a lot of horror films there's a lot of really good films that are scary throughout but a horror film I think is a great example of it is uh, It Chapter 1, the remake one um, because it's actually funny. It feels more like a Goonies film to me than a horror film, but the scary bits, I think, uh, complement that, are kind of, they're the opposite, but they're uh, emphasised or they're improved because of how funny the other bits yeah. of the film are. And I think games, personally, maybe it's just my style, I find that easiest to run, but I find it the most rewarding as well for, for the scary bits. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, Warhammer's a ridiculous game, you know, um, it's just crazy, it's nuts, it's over the top, it's ultra-violence, but then having wee jump scares like that is a different whole thing. It's it's just a total shift from what we were doing. Um, the alien game we are doing, we're enjoying the aspect of knowing every, everybody at the table knew about alien, except a couple of, of people that were there. Um, we're just joking around with the kind of cliches of alien and alien-style sci-fi films mm -hmm. that have been clearly influenced by alien. Yeah. So we're kind of playing around with those. I'm putting them in the game just for a joke, for little nods to the films, just to mm -hmm. just encourage that fun aspect of the game. Yeah. You are playing a game after all. Yeah, and something that I never really thought about, but kind of out of game chat as well. Yeah. Because, mm. again, depending on what sort of group you've got and how the game is and how it's going, 
that might be a thing, it might be a bit out of game chat, back to the game R RP, then a wee bit out, back in, you know, it might bounce between the two. And we didn't really do that a whole lot during the Alien game, but any time there was a, because it was a new system for, I think, everybody there, bar maybe like one or I think two it was people. Just me, maybe. Yeah, Alien, I'm thinking yeah. that. I think it was so, just me. you know, there was clarification of rules that were happening and things. Yeah. And again, between players, oh, and then there'll be an alien in the vent. Laugh, laugh, laugh. And then... Well, to know, be fair, there yeah. wasn't, and then it went into the vent. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but moments like that yeah. where you're you're breaking away from what's going on. Again, like John's saying, don't, you know, don't get upset. Don't try and, like, hard and railroad people back into something. Let it go, let it do its own thing, and then just as it's going out and just as it's getting to that nice point where everybody's nice and relaxed, you know, alien jumps out the vent at them or, you know, whatever is happening in whatever situation to kind of bring it back into the realm that you're hoping it to stay in. But don't, don't force it there. And again, with us, with the alien, it did go in the vent, not because... It was going in to get everybody back on track. It wasn't going in because, you know, that's your favourite bit of alien when they jump out the vents or, you know, anything like that because a, a jump scare was getting engineered. It was because of what had happened in the game that the vent was off because we were trying to do stuff in the vent and then as it was taking damage, as it wanted to run away, there's the perfect place for it to run away to. Yeah, and I mean, even with that example, it's like, I think what happened was just we're starting to figure, just we're really trying to suss out what was going on. Um, but that's when that whole alien uh, kind of kind of birth scene or whatever mm. you would call it, it happens. Now, it's not like that's like, oh, it's big jump scares, because that's not really how the alien, that, that scene's constructed to do. But it becomes a thing where it's like, hold on, something's bad. Yeah. And then it's, it gets worse, it gets worse, and then alien comes out, and then it's real bad. Although I was quite lucky because I didn't roll anything real bad for you. But mm. I think one of those rolls is like a kill, like you just die, yeah. which is which is pretty brutal for something you've just met that's this big, you know? Yeah. But um, yeah, totally. So it's almost that bait and switch is how I would describe it. It's really good. And mm. tying it back into jump scares, you could be building that up. I've had guys say, he's going to do it, he's going to do it, he's going to do the jump scare. And then I just let it fade yeah. away. And then they ask something, and then I jump at them anyway. And then they scared, get scared. But that's all in the spirit of fun, which is why I bring it up, because I've been involved in games, and I really love horror, like, it's my favourite genre, and I love role-playing games that's in horror, and I love all the horrible stuff too, but there's so many, I think, because it is a hard genre to do, and I'm by no means perfect at it, um, I struggle with it a lot of the time, I still come away enjoying it, but I just usually haven't hit the notes I wanted, just because it's difficult. Mm -hmm. But I've had people that have ran games that just, it's almost like they take it, because it is hard, so they're taking it serious, mm -hmm. which is fair enough. But then they kind of limit it and they constrict it because mm -hmm. they want. They, they, the easiest way to but, do horror is to make it in the mold you want it. But for role playing games, that's not so great, and mm -hmm. it's it can it can be an experience. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's all I have to say to, about it. To kind of contrast it as well, it's mm -hmm. like comedy or somebody try to be funny. Yeah. The harder they try, the less funny they are. Mm. You know, it's it's that same thing, and if you're doing horror and you're super super serious, then again, it's probably going to start to detract away because, in whatever moment, you know, having that light-hearted bit, that kind of break, that lull, then means that when you click back into the, the more serious part of it, it it's emphasising tension to it if it's done properly. So, yeah, and. Yeah, I just think that's the, probably the most user-friendly way, if you want to call it that, to, to get into it. Even that Nazi biker game we're doing. Now, to be fair, it's more investigative, and those grindhouse games are generally a bit more supposed to be schlocky. Like, so it's not supposed to be like deep, unsettling horror, you know? But most of that game, even at the investigative bits that you're seeing some of the Nazis, and there was a bit of tension in parts, and there's all this stuff going on, it was actually, I actually had a good time running it because it was fun but i had one mm -hmm. i hope you guys had the same but i just found it very fun generally there were there was bits everybody's making jokes here and there 
And there's some people I know, even though it's like a schlocky thing, and 80s horror is a bit kind of cheesy as well. But I would, I know people that if they, if he was running that, that, that would have been a no-go. That game would have been like, he would have been locking it down and I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it. And I doubt you guys would have too, just because I've played with a lot and other mm-hmm. games he's like, and that wouldn't have been one of them. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, totally. Just encourage the fun aspect. It is horror. It is horror. But after all, you're playing a game. And just, just sort of allow yourselves just to have that kind of moment of brevity or whatever mm-hmm. before you start slamming people with, like, player character death in one hit or whatever. Um, just have that shock value in there without needing to be shocking, if that makes sense. You know, you don't need to be super ultra-violent. It doesn't need to be really uncomfortable topics you cover. Um, you can just be using that kind of jump between these kind of... Uh, t- like, from happy and fun stuff to, like, horror and scary stuff. That just shift in dynamics can be enough to make it um, a scary game and help make it even better. So, yeah. I think that's everything I've got anyway. So, that's some of our kind of Halloween top tips for games. Um, Yeah, we just wanted to give you something a wee bit different than last year. And actually, Mm -hmm. this has maybe sparked some kind of cogs for some stuff I'd like to explore in more detail later. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I think that's really it from us this time. Is there anything you want to say to tie it off? No, um, just use all these tips responsibly um, and remember you'll need to clean up the mess both metaphorical and literal uh, and with that um, if you want to give us your thoughts on this episode or if you want to let us know how you scare people or any of that sort of stuff there's, if you're watching on YouTube or listening on YouTube, there's comments underneath there's Facebook, there's X um, there's Instagram as well, you can fire something up there um, and there's a Discord server as well. Cool so that's it from us then so just want to say once again, thanks again for listening and or watching and it's bye from me and me as well mm-hmm.